This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our text that was read came from the book of Daniel, the third chapter. And allow me to just lift up for you the 15th verse, which reads, Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing fire. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Fire has many symbolic meanings throughout the scriptures. It is an aspect of how God is known for example, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the 29th verse, the scripture tells us he's a consuming fire. It is also a symbol of God's presence, as in the case that we find in the third chapter in the book of Exodus and the second verse where he is a burning bush. Fire is also associated with God's wrath against sin, as we see in the 20th chapter of Revelation and the ninth verse. And finally... Fire is symbolic of the various trials and tribulations that we face in life. Fire has many symbolic meanings in scripture. It is, however, the fourth symbolic representation that I want to emphasize today. Fire as trials and tribulation in our lives. So today I'll be speaking a message that I've titled quite simply, Through the Fire through the fire. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are a good God. You're a good Father. Now, Lord, hold our collective communal hands as you take us through the fire. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've lived long enough, you can attest to the fact that life can sometimes be quite painful and very, very difficult. On any given day, you can come face to face with some tragic news or be forced into some kind of decision that has permanent life implications. These kinds of challenges are represented as fires and tribulations and they can come at any time and they can be more and more severe depending on the choices that we make. I'm reminded of a movie, a scene in a movie that many of you might have seen called God's Not Dead. God's Not Dead. About a young man that needed to take a class on philosophy and in order to stay on course with his academic schedule and ambitions, he had to take this class. The professor, of course, was a well-known atheist and he was feared. And he re required that all of his students write on a piece of paper three little words, God is dead. Many needed to write that word, sign their name, in order to get the passing grade for the course. But there was one student who decided that he was not going to follow through 
on this request simply because, according to his words, he was a Christian, a gentleman by the name of Josh Wheaton. And so the professor, in all his fury, asked Josh to do what? Okay, make a presentation, right, with the antithesis, the other argument proving that God is not dead, which, of course, if he couldn't do, would lead him to fail the course. Suffice it to say, Josh stood to lose everything that he wanted. And all he had to do was just write on a silly piece of paper, God is dead. But the question I ask you today is this, what would you do? You see, before you answer the question, I want you to understand a few things. Number one, that there are people in this world who are atheists. What does that mean? They don't believe in any God. As far as they're concerned, the universe, as we know it, started with some big bang explosion and gases and all these things evolved from out of some kind of single cell. Then there are the theists. These are the people who believe that God exists. He is personal and he is active in our daily lives. In this, he is sovereign and he is involved in the governance of every organization and everything to do with the world and the universe. Those are the theists. And then, of course, you've got the agnostics. The agnostics are the ones that are not sure, they don't know, or they have their own doubts. It is important for you to understand this and to have a position because depending on where you fall, whether as an atheist, a theist, or an agnostic, will impact and affect the choices and the decisions that you make every single day in your lives. And the truth of the matter is, it gets to the core belief of who you really are. And so when you see that tribulations and trials and issues come up in your life, depending on which of these three sides that you come down on will determine the choices and the decisions that you make. If you believe, for example, that there is a God, then chances are you might not steal because you believe in the moral laws and that stealing is wrong according to God's law. But if you don't believe in God, then you're free to do whatever it is that you like, whether or not it hurts or impacts somebody else's life. So where are you and I on the issue of God? Do you believe he exists? And if you say yes, do you say you believe in God because it's convenient or because your family believes or you've just got no other choice? How far are you willing to go to say and to prove that you believe in God. Are you willing to give up everything for this God that you cannot see? Are you willing to be thrown into the fire and take the heat? How far are you willing to go to say and to prove in this God that you say you believe in? Church, admittedly, these are difficult questions. And if we are really honest with ourselves, many of us are really struggling with the answer. And it's okay. But at least I know most of us like to believe that we believe in God. Hear what I said. Many of us like to believe that we believe in God. The truth is, there are so many forces around us that do more to cast doubt on our belief in God than the positive forces that would seek to encourage our faith. In fact, it's easy to say that we believe in God when everything is going well in our lives, but when the bills cannot be paid, when the job becomes too demanding or you can't find a job, when the children are out of control, 
when your wife, husband, boyfriend, or girlfriend is abusive verbally and physically. When the doctor says you have a terminal illness and there is nothing more that can be done for you. When you've lost a loved one that is dear to you. Or sadly, when you have been molested as a child and you have to live with the painful memory every single day. How do you then stand up and say, yes, I believe in God. Where was God when I was going through my fire and my trials and my tribulations. But I'm here to remind you that you can believe in him. You see, you can have faith that he will be there for you no matter what you face in life. Well, pastor, that is nice words. Well, I'm telling you, when the bills come, when the problems arise, when people let you down, when disappointments come knocking on your door, when betrayal comes and walks alongside you, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you feel like you have lost all hope he is there i don't understand how he does it all i know is that when i need him he is there he's there and he may not come when i call him but one thing i do know is he's never late and he's always right on time and just in case you're wondering who i'm talking about i'm not just saying god i'm talking about jesus i'm talking about jesus he is there when you need him he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you he sticks closer than a brother and what i'm telling you i believe i believe jesus is with me even more when i'm going through the most difficult times in my life sometimes when things are going well i might forget him Sometimes when things are going well, I might not need him. But one thing I know for sure is when things have hit the worst, when the bottom out of the barrel has gone, when I feel like I can't keep going on, he is there. I feel him. I sense him. And it gives me the strength to keep going on. The Bible tells me he is the light of the world. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And there is nothing known to man that he has not endured himself. And he knows all my sufferings. And he knows all my trials. And he knows all my tribulations. And he knows me. And I know him. As I'm sure many of you can attest, most of you have gone through or is going through some kind of trying time right now. You're going through some difficult experience, a hard trial. But according to the Apostle Peter, he says, listen, when these trials come, do not be surprised. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing just happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. Peter tells us that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So my brothers and sisters, fiery trials come to us. And our text today in the book of Daniel tells us of a great deal about these 
fiery trials. You might think you're going through hot times right now, but as you can see, these three Jewish boys, they literally were going through a fiery trial. By way of background, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken captive from Jerusalem into Babylon, where they were being trained for the service of this Babylonian king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had ordered his people to bow down to a 90-foot-tall statue of himself. And these three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said no! And it resulted in a death sentence into a fire furnace. Now, lest you be fooled, the fire furnace was not just some little oven where you make bread cake or festival. This was a smelting industrial furnace where bricks were hardened and it was huge and very, very hot. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had no misgivings about their decision about when they're having told Nebuchadnezzar that God will deliver them. I don't know about you, but if you know what is ahead of you as you call on the name of the Lord and you still choose to do it, I will believe you. So into the fire they went. A fire, the Bible tells us, seven times hotter than normal because Nebuchadnezzar's anger was apparently seven times greater than it usually is due to the audacious faith of these three Jewish boys. I want to highlight three things out of this story and then we'll close. The first thing I want to talk about is the time of the fire. The text says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up, your majesty. The trial did not come to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were stumbling in sin or when they were wallowing in disobedience, but instead when they were standing strong for God. Do you see that? The time of the trial didn't come when they were disobedient. The time of the trial came when they were honoring God. The moment you decide that you're going to be doing the right things for God, brothers and sisters, anticipate the fiery furnace. Anticipate it. Earlier in the chapter, these three boys, in addition to Daniel, were given roles of prominence in Babylon because they were really, really smart. They were treated well by the king. And if anyone had a reason to love and to do what the king wanted, it would have been these boys. Why? Because the king gave them a special seat at his table. Contentment. Bribery. Easy life. Lifestyles will be temptations for you to denounce your God. And listen to me carefully. In those moments, there don't need to be a fiery test, for you have already proven yourself unworthy. But the moment you decide to do right by God, to follow his edicts, 
to go where he sends you, anticipate the fiery trials. So through no fault of their own, they were being brought up on charges because they were disrespectful to the king. It would have been easier for them to back out and to make excuses. They could have said to each other, sure, we'll bow down to Nebuchadnezzar outwardly. But in our hearts, we love Jesus. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have even muttered, this isn't that big of a deal. So why not just bow down to the idol? We still have our Lord. They could have said, hey, we'll use this as an opportunity for even greater ministry. If we go along with Nebuchadnezzar's order, if we go along with what the bishop is asking us to do, maybe he'll leave us at the churches that we've been appointed to. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. My point is, it could come in many different ways, even in the church. But they didn't. They resisted all those excuses and they stood up when the trial came down. Like Josh, they could have done the same thing. What's the big deal? But they didn't. Beloved, it does matter what you believe. It does matter that you stand on your word. It does matter that you stand on your convictions. And we must understand that trials come most frequently, not when we are stumbling and struggling, but when things are going well. So the time of the trial is always going to be contingent upon your prosperity. One of my children burned their hand on a stove when they were younger. I wouldn't need to punish them. The burning on the stove is enough. They got the message. They would have gotten the message. That's what happens when you transgress the law of the Lord. He doesn't have to prove to you he's God. You've already proven to him that he's not your God. When you've fallen into these moments through your own disobedience. The second thing from the time of the fire is peace in the fire. The text says, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other cloth, were bound and thrown into the fiery furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three Men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, but look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unarmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Notice that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, hear me, church. I want you to hear me in your spirit. They were not running around in the fire trying to find a way to put it out. They weren't running around in the fire trying to put it out. They weren't taking off their clothes and trying to snuff it out. They weren't sitting in a corner crying about their ordeal either. They weren't striving, complaining, or even seeking 
to get out. They were simply walking around in the fire, unharmed. Now, there's a reason why I want you to hear what I'm saying. Recall that Nebuchadnezzar got his strongest soldiers to bind and tie up the boys. And the question I ask is this. Why did it need to be the strongest of Nebuchadnezzar's soldiers to tie up these young boys? See, <laughs> when Satan recognizes that you are firm and deeply rooted in your faith, he will send his top generals to try and get you off your game no matter how young you are. Are you hearing me? I'm talking now to our YPDers and our children. The moment you start to really feel this God thing, the moment you start to really feel like, you know what? Jesus is real. Believe me, Satan is not going to send Pookie the silly demon. He's going to send at you the demon called suicide. He will send at you the demon called murder. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's going to send his strongest after you. And if you, YPD young people, don't believe that what we are telling you is true, then you will fall in the fire trying to figure out how you're going to put it out when the truth of the matter is you need to let God. And even then you will find peace in the midst of a storm. The Bible tells us that these young men were bound. They were bound. The same fire that intends to kill and destroy them is the same fire that unbound them. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. You see, the stronger you grow and mature in your faith, the things that would trip you up no longer trip you up, but propel you into your destiny. Oh yes, you better believe it. You better believe it. When the going gets tough and the fires grow hot in our lives, we have a tendency to want to control the fire, if not put it out altogether. But we must realize that although we might not be able to endure or even love the fire for a season, and that it's getting hotter and hotter, the hotter it gets is the stronger you will be. When people come down on you, when they don't understand you, when things don't seem to be working out, don't try to control their fire. Instead, let it burn. It's only burning away the things that have held you back. And you will find new freedom with your peace in the fiery trial. I hope you're hearing me. The third and final thing after the time of the fire, the peace in the fire, is now the fellowship in the fire. Verse 24 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet. Wasn't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four. Four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, 
Now, let me stop there for a moment because I just got a revelation. The Bible tells us that when they bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the very strong soldiers that threw them into the fire burned because the fire was so hot. Did y'all see that in the text? I literally just saw this right now, Reverend. I didn't see it before I read it, just now. And the text is telling me that Nebuchadnezzar now approaches the furnace. So how come he didn't get burnt up? How come, how come, how come his strongest got burnt up and he didn't? Now I'm way off script now. And I'm just trying to figure this out. But you know what came to me? When you have peace in the fire and God is with you, however hot the fire may think it is, it ain't hot enough for Jesus. Jesus is going to make it. He's going to cool it down. So even your enemies can see. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Even your enemies can approach and see. That just came. That just came. But let me continue. Nebuchadnezzar then approached. Did y'all get that? Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was their hairs singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. But they're bound no more. So the fire burnt away something. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego could walk around in the fire in peace and they could let it burn with confidence for one reason and one reason only. The Lord was there with them. Jesus was there with them. Jesus says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. No matter how hot the fire is, I am there with you. This means that he is with you no matter what fire you are dealing with in your life. And if we look for him, we will find him. We will see that he is there even in the midst of that burning. But we could talk esoterically about the Lord and discuss theologically his presence. We can. But it's not until we're in the fire of a trial that we can truly know that he is alive. That he is with us and that he is for us. The part that I really like about the story, however, is that Nebuchadnezzar sees Jesus in the fiery furnace. He sees Jesus. We are looking for the Lord. Many of us are looking for the Lord. And most often, we think we're going to see God when we're cruising, but he actually comes around when you're cooking. And not only do we see the Lord in hard times, but we allow others to see him as well. Listen to me carefully, church. Fellowship in trials has a way of invoking the presence of God. Many of us, when we are going through trials, what do we seek to do? Isolate. We have this fish fry. Fry. We have this fish fry as a way of trying to, to, to get the community and everyone to come together in fellowship. Despite what's going on in your lives. And so many stay away because they say, I got too much going on. I got all this pressure in my life. I ain't got time to support no church and no fish fry. Meanwhile, what you're really saying is that you don't need the fourth man in the fire with you. Because unless you come around and fellowship with the other believers who believe the same thing you believe, then guess what? You're going to be walking by yourself with Nebuchadnezzar when you could be walking with us with Jesus. So who do you prefer to walk with? There is a fellowship that takes place in the fire. 
that in the midst of your struggles and your challenges, isolation is not the answer. The only thing you will do with isolation is prolong your suffering. If you want your suffering to end, join me in my fire. And I will join you in your fire. And where two or more are gathered in his name, he is there with you in the fire. And the fire won't feel so hot. But other people will see you at peace. In the midst of the most difficult times in your life. And wonder, what must I do to have that kind of peace? My brothers and my sisters, the text tells us that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't come out of the fire until Nebuchadnezzar ordered them out. So if Nebuchadnezzar didn't order them out, Jesus would have stayed with them for as long as it takes until your deliverance comes. I did so much in this text that I didn't even see. They came out of the fire, but Jesus was with them in fellowship through it all. We all want Jesus. We all want Jesus to be in our lives and to, and to bless us the way he's blessing other people. But I am telling you, he will never bless you by yourself. You need to be in communion and in fellowship with other people. For listen, he is in the bread when we break it today. He is in the wine when we drink it today. Or the grape juice. He is there. And as often as we do this, in remembrance of him. So who's in your fire with you? Is it Jesus or not Jesus? <laughs> or Nebuchadnezzar? Maybe you're in a place where you're walking with God, but in your walk, you are tired of feeling like you're always in fires and always in hard times. Maybe that's what you feel, right? I, I, but I want you to know that Jesus is with you and, and he is in the fire with you in a way that you might not see him because you're so focused on the fire and not on the fire chief. God is able to deliver us from anything. And this, the, the boy said, the boy said to, 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 to Nebuchadnezzar, God is able to deliver us from them. But even if he decides not to, Amen. we're still not going to bow down at your altar of lower gas prices. We're still not going to bow down to all of the things that you want to see in your life that you think is going to make your life easier. I'm talking plain language. You think the person that you're waiting for all your life is going to bring you out of your fire. You think that the right job is going to bring you out of your fire. You think all of these things, a new car, a new house, whatever you think is going to bring you out of your fire. A new president. I'm not getting back the old one. Whatever your issues are, I'm telling you that none of those things will get you out of your fire. You will stay in that fire as long as you are in there by yourself. Dr. Donald Barnhouse, and I'll close with this, one of the great Bible teachers of a generation past, tells a story of what happened to him when he was a little boy living in the country. Now, you may be familiar with the story, but it bears repeating right now. 
He tells of a large oak tree in front of the barn next to his house that was struck by lightning. And the, 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 the tree lit up like a torch and some of the flames from that fire tree leaped onto the barn, but it was just enough time for him and his family to get the animals out of the barn before it burned to the ground. So as a young boy, he's walking through now, kicking through the ashes. And he kicked on some ash and he saw a bunch of little chickens just run out, just run out when he kicked this one large clump. And when he saw that the chicks had all run out in all different directions, he later learned that it was the mother hen, while being trapped in the corner of the barn, did what mother hens do instinctively, gathered her chicks under her wings and absorbed the heat herself and died to save the lives of her chickens. My brothers and my sisters, what I'm trying to explain to you as you think about the fiery furnaces in your life and things that are burning seemingly out of control around you, the Lord Jesus Christ insulates you and I from the fires of judgment. He gathers us like, like chickens gathered under the wings of his love. And he will insulate you from the fires of the trials. You will still feel the heat, but it will not be as hot as it could have been. And just like that mother hen died, so too did Jesus die for you when he covered all of us under the shadow of his wings. He'll allow all of these fiery trials to come into our lives to reveal himself to us and in such a way that even all the corrupt leaders all around us will see that he is God. So when you're asked to write, God is dead, I cannot do it. And even if you fail me, I will not bow down to your gods or to your idols. My God, when he died on Calvary's cross, made it possible that I can stand with all boldness and to tell everyone and declare to the world, he is still God and he is very much alive for on the third day he rose from that grave and all of heaven rejoiced because their champion had come home so all in all it doesn't matter the time of the fire because trials and tribulations must come but you can have peace in the fire because it releases you from the things that keep you bound so you can rejoice in the fire because the fire that comes is releasing something that has kept you bound. And it gives you and me the opportunity to have fellowship through the fire because the Lord will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He is there with you. He is there with you. But you must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart, but open yourselves up to him, for he wants to sup with you and to be your friend through the fire today. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.